Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hi, it's Mr. Bye for now from Millwall Football Club, and you're listening to the world famous Actong Millwall. You're listening to Actong Millwall. Broadcasting from the beautiful South Bermondsey. Accept no substitute. Hello dear listeners, welcome to Achtung Millwall, the number one Millwall podcast. Joining us in the post-Stoke uh, purple haze of glory are two of my, my reg- show regulars, Michael Avery. Welcome to the show, Michael. Football is back and we're top of the league, dear listener. Stop the count and all the other cliches that come with it. We are top of the league indeed. Also joining us... Mr. Ryan Loftus, how are you doing, Ryan? Very well, thanks. Very well, thanks, Nick. And we should probably begin and get this bit out of the way, listeners, but congratulations to our England Lionesses, who are the Women's Euro Champions 2022. I actually watched it last night, Ryan. How about that? You finally came round to it. Am I making advances? Finally came round to it. Well, I was surprised. I was at a uh, my nan's 85th birthday, and uh, yeah. it was very much hang around for an hour, and then went and sat and watched it in the front room and slowly but surely pretty much everyone made their way in which was uh which was good good to see you know yeah. 50 and 60 year old men all getting involved and, and you know it's you know it's it enjoyable. England winning I mean, the tournament isn't it yeah it's right. it was enjoyable what more do you want i mean uh, we're just speaking off air michael weren't we i mean it's it's, it's i haven't followed the, the tournament listeners i'm not going to make any any bones about it but i i watched the part of the semi final and I enjoyed last night. It, it was. It, I think you have to see it as a sport in its own right. Michael was was just having this debate offline, weren't we? Yeah, absolutely. And um, also as well, if I, I remember when the game actually first started, and we was talking not amongst us, but just amongst other people I was with, and we was talking about it, and they were saying about compare it to last year. And and it is, you know, you think about it in the in the in the crowds, all the all the fans of different countries are sat together. It's a lot more of a family atmosphere. Um, also, please note um, for a lot of people who say that women's football ain't interesting. I think that was the largest attendance for any UEFA game last night. Eighty-seven thousand plus. Yeah. I think it was across across men and women. Yes, you can argue the ticket prices and all this kind of stuff, but um, it, it is um, it's the same laws and the same rules, but it is a different sport. Me, me and Nick were saying off there, dear listener, it's similar to sort of like um, tennis. You know, you've obviously got the five set games for the men, three set for the women. Um, there's other sports like women's rugby, and I, th- I think yes. There's the question mark. Is it as big as England winning the World Cup in 66? But like I said as well, let's just take it for what it is. Um, in my lifetime, 
as a 35 gun on 36 year old, I've never seen an England senior team win a major European competition or world competition. No, this 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 takes some joy out of that. I mean, um, I mean, Ryan. I mean, there, it is a different sport. I mean, might, do you agree? Is is it a different thing for you? I mean, I'm, I'm thinking like women's cricket would have reduced boundaries. Women's tennis, Michael's mentioned. Um, the physicality will be the main difference between the two games, but skill, some skillful players last night. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't see them as different sports at all. I think it's just a different level of. Obviously, I think it's obviously it's it's newer and it's you know mm. the whole the whole figure was banned for sixty years. So it was. men's football was banned for that long, and how the you know the, the the ability. I mean, if you watch clips back from the the seventies, that that's almost a different sport. To what we see now, you know, if you watch a, a top first division game from the seventies and watch Pep Guardiola, that's an interesting thought. Club, actually, you know, that's an interesting yeah, way to put it. Sport is different, and it, and even, even most sports about that. You know, you watch cricket back then, like cricket. You know, do you think a T Twenty is exactly the same as what what happened back in the sixties no. and seventies? No, you know, so. No. But no, for me, it's you know, tens of thousand people watch the SE Dons on YouTube. You know, they watch Sunday League football. So people who moan about the quality of it, which you know, I, th- I think. Because it's growing, I think people have previously had the attitude of like tub thumping, and I think a lot of commentators who comment comment a lot on it have said this openly. So you know you do have to be positive and and say. And so a lot of people might watch your game, not be very entertaining, and go, "Well, what are they watching?" But I think the best thing with this tournament is there were some unbelievable games. The quality was unbelievable from England, Germany yeah. were really good, France. There were some really exciting teams. So it's you know the first tournament I've watched the whole way through, and have gone. You know, more than you know, seventy percent of the games were really entertaining and really good quality. And it's just yeah. because the sports getting more funding and the players are getting better. And you know, if if people, look, the listeners here turn out and watch Gary Rowett's Mill every week, you know, like it or lump it. <laughs> when we're going through our sixteenth draw of the season, complaining about the quality, you know, it's it's you know, sometimes with football, everyone knows you can get the best game in the world or you can get the worst thing you've ever seen. But um, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I, I absolutely loved it and was absolutely chuffed for him to win. We were standing again off there. It, it it wasn't even like an easy run, neither was it. I mean, like they they, I think England the women are eighth in the world. I think they only conceded two goals all tournament. They were obliterating teams who were a lot more fancy than them. But another interesting topic, and uh, yeah, we are slightly woke, as we said last time. I was on the. This is the woke podcast. It is the woke podcast. It now no woke. Millwoke, yeah. It now um, opens the uh, the question about um, about female female coaches in the game because you know we, we there was talk last year of Emma Hayes uh, joining AFC Wimbledon when they was having managerial problems and a lot of people said no 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 she don't know what she's doing even though she'd won Super League after Super League and Champions League after Champions League and now you've got the England manager last night who I think is that a second consecutive European tournament win she's mm. completely revolutionised that England team. But what what male team would look at her and think, I'll take a punt with her. I'll give yeah. her a chance. Well, it's also the, uh, a bit disingenuous for the for the women coaches, like, like you say with that Emma Hayes. The fact that Emma Hayes is, you know, one of the best coaches in the women's game of all time. And recently got people an MBE. Think, for, was it MBE or an OBE? for, for so, herself? yeah. Football, and yeah. people think, yeah. oh, well, she'll do a good job at a League One t- club side who's just been relegated. You know, Johnny Jackson's the manager there now who's, who's only been a manager for six months. And it's so yeah, it's, exactly. you know Serena Vigman by rights, you know you say what well, fantastic job she's done. In terms of going over to the men's game, it would be well she should be the Dutch men's national national coach. You know that's yeah. the level she should enter at. But obviously that's that's a long way off still. I think it's it's I think there was was it Strasbourg in France who did have a, a 
female coach for a little while and then I think she mm. she backed out of it quite quickly because I, I, I don't think the team was being run very well I think I think mm. she kind of realized that they they'd almost given her the job really as a gimmick rather than as a, a truly believing in her and back in the club but um no it, that that would be a massive step and it should get to that point you know you look at the you look at the the tournament there's a lot of male coaches in the women's game but what was really good is that I think in the semi-finals three out of four of the coaches were were female coaches it's you know, in terms of being a coach, literally, your gender has no no bearing on how good you are. We're going to um, have listeners throwing their their, 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 their their iPhones out the windows of their uh, their cars or whatever, however they listen to the to the show. But um, no, well done, lionesses. Um, not often we win stuff. Yeah, <laughs> let's, let's take some joy from it. I think that's all I'm going to say on on the matter. Um, I mean, Ryan has already neatly segued into mentioning Gary Rowich, Millwall, and we are speaking, chaps, in the aftermath of a really good, really strong 2-0 win over a rather um, bland-looking Stoke City side. Uh, I mean, Ryan, was that a good Millwall performance or was that an abject Stoke one for you? How did you see this game on Saturday, mate? It's a bit of both. I think I did say after the game, if I was a Stoke fan, I know they've got quite a few new signings, but even then, signings with championship experience who should slot right in you know like Aiden Flint does Flint. he really count as a new Go. signing he's just yeah. he's a plug and play defender in the championship but if I was a Stoke fan I would watch that and be really really worried and I did think it was quite funny of the the Stoke fans chanting Gary Rowett your football is shit while watching Michael <laughs> O'Neill Stoke is a you know it's a it's a bit of a pot kettle situation but no I thought I thought it was a really good meal performance I think I think what Rowett highlighted as well was defensively we were Excellent, you know, the, the whole back he five won. and yeah. bar, bar Bart's little spillage, which he, he just about recovered. Um, we just didn't look like conceding at any point in the game. We didn't look like we were in any trouble. Didn't have to take the foot off the gas. Obviously, we didn't create loads of chances in open play, relied on the set pieces. But really, there's nothing wrong with that. And I think with second half especially, we did create a bit more. And mm. uh, obviously, we've got new signings bedding in. We've got good op- good depth on the bench, players to come in and, and kind of change games up now. I thought it was a really good performance to start a season like that with a solid 2-0 win. That just that sets you off on the right foot. And, you know, Millwall were famously slow starters. If uh, if Rowett can slightly correct that this year and we can be a bit more, even if it's started on a base of, of defensive solidity like he normally prefers, get the confidence in the legs and, and then start start battering teams, I think. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was actually making some notes to myself, Michael, about um, Charlie Cresswell. I mean, I'm trying to think of better Millwall debuts and the only one I mean because I go back such a long way the only one I can think of coincidentally with Saturday was Phil Walker coming in from non-league and scoring in 1975 in terms of a Millwall debut two goals and as Ryan's already said a strong strong defensive performance Charlie Cresswell has got to be one of the best if not the best Millwall debut I think um, that would spring to my mind or I don't know about listeners suggest me another one listeners but that was some performance, mate, wasn't it? Do you know what? Funny thing you say that. I was just having in my head ready to go. I think three words show for three players you've got to pick out. And like Ryan's about new signings there. Creswell, Shackleton, Shackleton and um, yeah. Honeyman. I thought well, they yeah. was all absolutely superb. I thought that uh, Stoke couldn't get near them. When Stoke had the ball, they pressed them. Creswell showing what he can do from from corners. I mean, you you got things as well. That that's the, his second goal was a volley, wasn't it? it wasn't even like a header or a bundle in. He put it yeah. in quite nicely. Um, I thought the game. I thought it was an excellent game, an excellent performance. Don't get me wrong. Um, and there's not many negatives I can take. I think there's a 
you can maybe have a little bit of criticism that we didn't seem to do too much in the first half from open play, you know, and the goals came from corners. Um, but I think that I, I said that to somebody who didn't go to the game said, how was it? I said, it was very similar to me, you know, with like a Man United or a Chelsea of like the late 90s, early 2000s, where there'd be about four or five points clear at the top of the table. They'd go to a grand or they'd have someone at home. They know they've got to win to get the job done. They get the job done. It's convincing. And you just know they're on, on the path to something good. That's mm. what I thought it was like, because I don't think there was anything massively spectacular. But mm. as I said, Sunday evening, Stoke could still be out there now and they still wouldn't have scored. I yeah. thought it was a very, very, very far, a very good performance. A couple of tweaks here and there, um, because I did say as well, without being, again, ultimately critical, if we played like that against a Burnley, a Norwich, a West Brom, would we have beat them? Maybe not, but I don't think we would have lost it neither. I think the ability to create from set pieces, which was something that we, we I think we all of us from last season were saying was an area where we could probably look to do better, especially with the likes of Jake Cooper and although Sean Hutchinson wasn't involved yesterday with the felt our advantage with Cresswell coming in. Um, but I was, I was really um, pleased with the way that both the goals were created. I mean, I think, am I right, Ryan, in thinking that Cooper made a kind of a decoy run almost and took took players with him and created space for Cresswell? Definitely. Well, that's that's the struggle for, for teams defending it and Stoke as well. You know, they've got a big back three, you know, it's 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 hard for teams defending it because Cooper, they always pick him out as the main threat. And Absolutely. really, Cooper's, yeah. Cooper's not been scoring a lot since that season. He got eight or nine, was it? But, I mean, largely that is down to teams marking him a lot more. You know, he'll often have two players on him. But when you've then got Murray Wallace and yeah. Charlie Cresswell, when, you know, I'm sure at times this season, you'll have all four of them with Hutchinson on the pitch as well with Murray Wallace as at wing-back. So if they've got three or four players like that, and even when you bring him in, Zian Fleming's not small, although he might be taking the corners, you know. It's hard to defend that. And I think that's what, what Michael O'Neill said after the game, is you pay so much attention on marking Jake Cooper that all the others get, get a bit Neglected of space. And, and like you say, that, yeah. like Michael yeah. said, the second goal was a volley. So, yeah. he, I mean, a poor defender from Stoke. But obviously, he met forced um, Bursic into the save from the corner just before. He could have had another one. But it's, it's hard to do. And I think it's interesting, Michael saying, obviously, it's, the performance is a bit... You kind of get the job done. I know what you mean in terms of you know you're not really in trouble at any point, but the, the breakthroughs you get from set pieces. But I think with Stoke, it's you know they, they didn't really offer much. There wasn't much space to counter. It was quite a quite a stodgy game in terms of that neither team really had loads of space to to work passes and create create anything. Mm. So there will be times where you know when we're playing the bigger teams, hopefully it'll be a bit more counter attacking and it will be a bit more a bit more open and we'll have a bit more time to to create chances. But the fact that we've got both options is really good. The fact that also we've seen that we've got people who can take set pieces, you know, with obviously Jed Wallace was kind of the main corner the taker. Main main. You know, it's yeah. it's, not, it's yeah. not that hard to do, but, you, you know, a lot of teams don't have great delivery. Um, Malone obviously took one, but Honeyman took the other. So we've got options there. Um, it's just, it just bodes well. I think there's there's not really much. And like, and like Michael said, all signing, all the signings did really well. The ones who started anyway, and we saw more of, they all did really well. And they that's what you want. And I think, even looking at the bench, I asked about it after the game. Obviously, there was there's points last season where we had we couldn't even fill the bench, mm. you know. And there was a lot of times last season when the game wasn't going your way. And I remember looking at the bench and going, "Great, the best thing we can bring on is George Evans." You know, we don't have a striker, we don't have anyone who can change the game. Whereas yesterday, you've got Fleming to come in, you've got Bury to come on, you've got Bennett, Bennett. on the bench. 
You've got yeah. players, not just there. Savile, you've got, Savile, yeah, you've got, Savile. Savile. You've got yeah. not just numbers to come on, but different players who can come on and change the game and make it make it a different sort of game. You know, if you put if you put Bennett and Fleming on as he did, immediately you've got a bit more pace and a bit more direct running and a bit more bit more threat that way. If you bring Savile on, you know, you can slow it down and keep the ball a bit better. Mimbury yeah. on, you've got that excitement and that flair. To have that op- that that number of options, even this early in the season, and you know, by all accounts, pushing for maybe one or two more, the squad it's looks very, in a really good position. It's it very looks really good at the moment. Very yeah, refreshing. completely refreshing. Rather than uh, yeah, seeing Keefton Bell or, or George Evans stripped off at the side, <laughs> and uh, thinking we're gonna we're gonna shy off for a one 0 win. I, I'm I'm just glad for Harry's blood pressure that we're not seeing so much of. Uh, well, we're not going <laughs> to see Keefton Bell at all, but it certainly happens. Michael, you wanted to say something, mate. You had your hand yeah. Well, I was just going to touch on with the defending from the corner. If you watch Creswell's second goal against the volley, he does really well to sort of lose his players and sort of push him out of the way and move him out mm. of the way. You can argue for defending that they didn't go with him. But his movement at that corner, he shook off two defenders. I thought what helped Millwall massively, um, again, what we say about how Stoke played, they just did not use Dwight Gale how you normally use Dwight Gale. Like that, that type of He player. looked very he anonymous. Just, it's, you know, yeah, he was he very lost the on the pitch, wasn't he? Yeah. He definitely um, wasn't fit. He was not fit. I think he's played like 30 minutes. I think that was pretty much his first yeah, first start. Yeah. He's just not but fit. But I don't even all. think they used him properly, Ryan, as the sort no. of like as the sort of um, main lead in the line man. How many times did he drop 10, 15 yards to like sort of the edge of our midfield to try and get the ball back? And that's not how Dwight Gale normally plays. But I've got to say one comment as well. Well, two comments. You said about um Fleming when he come on. I don't know if you guys remember when he took that ball inside and he played that lovely curved ball yeah, around the back mm, of the back line and it just mm. dropped to um I can't remember who was it was it um who did it pull to whoever it was, it was a lovely ball. Um and let's stir the pot now and poke the bear. Well we're missing McNamara because I thought Leonard did a great job at fullback. Well, I was just going to mention that. I mean, Ryan Leonard being preferred to, to Danny Mack, who was on the bench and didn't feature at all in, in the afternoon's proceedings. Um, heavy-handed message, or well, it worked out well for Gary Rowett with a two-nil win. You can—that's—that's that's the best reply to any contract negotiation, isn't it? Um, I mean, Rowett did say that it was kind of linked to the uh, his lack of focus. I think is how he put it. I, I don't know, but um, was that heavy-handed for you, Michael, leaving uh, Danny Mac out? It worked out well, so there's your answer, maybe. It's it's one of those you don't really know what's happening behind the scenes, do you? No, you because don't. I know no. we've I know we've got this stuff with QPR, and straight away with some areas of the fan base, not all areas of the fan base, before anyone starts hating me or having a go, but some areas of the fan base very much. Well, he don't want to be a fucking, but you don't know what's going on. You know, like like you don't know whether you know everyone's saying, oh, it's the greedy agent, drop him and all this, or and then you've got the other side of the coin with Millwall saying, we'll offer him what he wants. He's a Millwall through and through, Millwall family. He's, Granddad, you know, all that kind of stuff. But if he isn't focused and you think, do you know what? He might not be 100% have his mind on the game and it might just do him well to have a little breather, have a little think about what he needs to do because we've got Ryan Leonard here who's played really, really well recently. He can fit in, do a job for a couple of games then when McNamara's head's right, come back in. I don't see too much wrong with that. I, 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 think, if it was, I think if it was any worse, it would be a bit, bit more public. Nick, I mean... Like for some of our younger listeners, I mean, the demographic of this pod is over 35. 35 um, year old blokes upwards. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan's, Ryan's the only one who's that, who's, um, yeah, who still uses an electric shaver. Um, but, um, but it, it, it's, you know, there, there's been, there's been transfer deals that have gone wrong behind the scenes where, where we've known about it even 
publicly. You look at Zach Whitbread comes to mind. You know, if a player don't want to be there and things go wrong, you know about it. Marlon Romeo, yes, might be for other reasons, but he didn't want to be here. We knew about it. We don't sound like McNamara doesn't want to be here. He just seems like he just wants to type a few loose ends on his contract. I mean, Ryan, I, 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 as a matter of principle, listeners, I will never, ever, ever knock anyone that doesn't want to get their best possible value out of their employer. Um, football's an unusual business in that we all um, shout an opinion on from the sidelines. But Danny Mack's in, perfectly entitled, Ryan, to get the best deal that he possibly can, either from Millwall or if it doesn't work out, he doesn't get what he thinks he's worth and he's, he's going to look elsewhere. That, that's a basic right. And um, I mean... Was that was that heavy handed leaving him out for you on on Saturday, or I mean, it worked well as we've said already? Yeah, I don't, I don't think I don't think it was heavy handed. I think I was surprised at how honest Rowett was about mm. the reasons why. Um, you know, because even he could say he could have been a bit more cagey about it and just said, you know, that all, all the speculation and we're just making sure he comes in the right point. But you know, he was pretty. Rowett has has previously been, you know, like not cagey, but you know, tight lipped normally, and he's, he's a bit more. Can be a bit, bit like that, but with with yeah. Matt Mara, you know, he was asked, and he pretty much said straight away, no, it's it's because of the transfer stuff, you know, and the and the focus and and fair, and I think that is fair enough. I think part of it is him not necessarily, like he says, not being focused, but part of it might be as well keeping him out of the limelight a bit, keeping about, you know, if he if he gets off to an absolute flyer at the start of the season, like you know, it could increase his value, but because he's in the last year of his contract, his his value isn't as much as it should be. So you've got that side of it, you've got the side of. You know, he comes out and has a rubbish games. The whole crowd gets on his back, and he goes, "Oh, do you know what? Fuck this! Mm. I'm going to move." And I think, you know, I, I think the the transfer speculation might have gone a bit beyond QPR. I think a, m- a couple of other teams might have been looking at it, looking at him as well. But he will be an attractive player for some. Really attractive, like he's yeah. he had, he's had a really good season last year, and like you know, in terms of having one good year, look at Jed Spence. Okay, he got promoted, but he had one good year in the championship. Obviously, nowhere yeah. near as Danny McNamara has been nowhere near that level, but. One good year in a championship is enough to to propel you right now. But and I think you've got to think about it, you know, he's break last year was his breakthrough year. So he's I know he signed a new contract a little while ago with a little bit of a boost in. So he, he's he's pretty much gone from youth contract wages to kind of hot Proper prospect. Yeah, pro, but yeah, a hot prospect yeah. like breakthrough of fringes of the first team wages yeah. to now being one of Millwall's most valuable assets starting every week. That's a big jump in, you know, in in a couple of years. And so he's, you know, and it might be the agent. The agent probably valuing him a bit higher than um, than maybe what Millwall wants to pay for him. And it'll be a bit of a negotiation back and forth. And I think what starting Leonard does there is, you know, it goes, it shows Millwall's strength of position sort of thing where they go, you know, do you know what? Look, if we have to sell you, we'll sell you because we're not going to miss you sort of thing. Yeah, and I, I think, think, I that's, think they would miss the him. But, yeah. you know, they've got Shackleton in now who was really good in midfield but can play at wing back. Obviously, yeah. you don't really want to be playing players out of position all season, but you know Billy Mitchell was filled in there. But if Leonard plays as well as he did, you know that's it. You go to the agent and go, well, you know, I would. Yeah. Rowick can go back to him and say, well, to be honest, I don't think Danny Mac is a guaranteed starter. Look how good Ryan Leonard is there, and when he's fit, obviously a lot of the time it's been because he's not been fit. When he's fit, you, you speak to the agent and go, well, your client might not be a guaranteed starter, so why would we pay him one of the Absolutely. highest wages? And I don't know what he's asked for, but. I think it's just just that bit of back and forth, and I, I you know, I'm I'm confident Mill will sign him. I think Mill will know the value is, and like you say, he's got that connection to the club. I don't think he's he's not agitating for a move. I think it's just about getting it done. And obviously, the season's starting so early, you've got even longer till the end of the transfer window than you normally would. So 
I think they're just playing it a bit safe at the moment. Don't get him off to a flyer. Don't get all the attention on him. Don't have all the hype around, is he going to stay? Is he going to go? Just try and keep it on the back burner and get the deal done behind the scenes. And uh, yeah. I hope the club can do it. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Achtung, Mailball. No One Likes Us Clothing is the clothing range designed by Millwall fans for Millwall fans. Caps, T-shirts, polos, they've got it all. Visit noonelikesus.co.uk for the full range. Or, if you're in Bermondsey on a match day, why not have a pint in the Blue Anchor pub and pick up a Nolu polo shirt, Nolu clothing, www.noonelikesus.co.uk. I think as well, it's very difficult... It, it, like with, with our Millwall hat on, hat on, and as we've said before, Nick, you know, it's all a lot of people are very sentimental at Millwall. We, we think if a player plays for a couple of years, why aren't we signed it a bit longer? But I think what it is with Danny McNamara is, is, is that long term vision. When, and you say it about when you've got players and their employers and things like that, but it's not as easy as some of the fans are saying when they go, oh, like if, if he goes, it's the same thing that happened with Jed, he'll go on a free, or same thing that happened with Sanso when he went on a free, or or the classic Tim Kaye went for 1.3. If you're a team like Millwall, and we, we did it on the last show, Nick, that I was on, it's only really this season that we're optimistically, realistically thinking, do you know what, we might have a chance of getting into that top six. Now, if you're a player, like Ryan was saying, um, like Matt Namara, who not only had QPR looking at him, but apparently some other clubs as well, and you think, yeah, I do love it here, but... Like this sort of vision that the club's got, or everything like that, is only uh, a, a, not an unrealistic, but kind of like if all things fall into the right places, and that's quite a lot of things we need to fall in the right place for it to happen. But if I'm, why would I want to sign sign a five year deal for this? You mm. know, what? Why would I want to be stuck with not not stuck's the wrong word in a negative way, but what, why would I want to be tied down to a five year deal? Seems what Ryan was saying when I could just maybe have another year on my contract, which gives me a little bit more negotiation, negotiating, and then I can see the fruits and then sign a deal at the end of it. it. It's not, dear listener, it's not as simple as just chuck a contract in front of McNamara and get him to sign it because he likes it down at the den. It's really not. We need to think of it a bit. And and the club's hands are tied. You know, we we, we could offer someone, for, we had it with Chris Woodnick, didn't we, a while back when, when he was on loan to us from West Brom, I, I believe it was. We, we matched Leicester's, 
bid absolutely perfectly, but Leicester, yeah. Leicester just trumps us. You know, there, there, there's not a lot you can do, even if you do offer the right money. I think I think um, Danny is obviously also um, gifted, stroke cursed with the the Millwall burden of being a Millwall fan and Millwall family, because there's an expectation that um, he should take a a decision that sentimentally might not be in his business interest, as, as he would put it. Yeah. He got he got plenty of good financial advice from the West Upper when I, as he was warming up <laughs> on did. Saturday afternoon about you know the strength of the contract that uh, was in front of him. So um, a lot of financial advisors gathering in block one from what I, I could see. I just want to mention Scott Malone. Good performance Saturday from Scott Malone, Ryan. Um, not play, yeah, ever, I'll get enough love sometimes, Scotty. Yeah, he's not one. I feel like he's probably people will identify him as like a worst player at the moment. I think he, he had an up and down one. He, he Maybe going forward, he tried a little bit too much at a couple of occasions, but I think he's maybe feeling the pressure of not necessarily getting the goals and assists he did when he first joined. But... Mm. I thought yesterday actually defensively he was really defensive good. Or yesterday was, yeah. on, on Saturday, I thought yeah. I thought that, that he had a good battle with the I can't remember the, the right back's name at Stoke, but obviously mm. it's wing back, so that it's one on ones. You know, Leonard obviously came out on top on his, but they had that little bit where they had a bit of a set two in the corner, um, and he really got into the, the player's head. I think he maybe end, even ended up on a yellow card, but he really just shut him out of the game. And uh, yeah, I think I think I do like Malone. I think he is he can run hot and cold. He can have really hot streaks and really really poor streaks, but. I think because he tries a lot on the ball, as in as in he, he tries to do things and he tries to create chances and he tries to dribble. I think when he doesn't when they don't pull off, I think you notice it a bit more. Yeah, and you, I think that's maybe like why the, people that's why yeah. people get on his back um quite quickly is because, you know, like he tried a couple of little like flicky passes on Saturday and they didn't quite come off and it so it's quite easy rather than if you've got someone who's playing it safe all the time. But but that's what he's in the team for. He's in the team to bomb forward, really. He's more, he's much more of an attacker than he is a defender, really, in that system. And uh, obviously, you've got Murray Wallace, who kind of overlaps him and, and fills in the left-back slot anyway. So, yeah, I, I thought he played really well. I don't think there was really a bad performance on the pitch. And I thought I thought he was he was really good. Obviously, he got the, got the assist for the, I think it was the second corner for the goal. Um, I, I, you know, I'm wondering when he's going to slow down, really. Obviously, he's, he's pushing over 30 now. I wonder when... When doing two games, thanks for a week. making everyone feel old, there, Ryan. Cheers, mate. For, in football contact, in football contact, right. Mark. You know, he's, he's an old man. He'd be a. He's a. He's collecting his pen. Beastie soon, Boys did an right. album called the No Sleep Till Brooklyn, didn't they? So maybe he's like No Sleep Till I don't know. Ball, <laughs> not ball, I'm trying to think of that. No Sleep <laughs> Till Seven Oaks. No Sleep Till Wembley. To that training, get training. Up. <laughs> We've mentioned Shackleton um, and ha- well, Michael. You, you, I think you touched on Honeyman, but also I want to mention Billy Mitch. That was that was a really strong midfield performance by by the by the three there. Um, one of the best I've seen from Billy Mitch, Michael, in a long time. I thought he really put got stuck in. Do you know what I think Billy Mitchell showed in that game? He showed a lot of maturity. Um, whereas I think a few times last season he might have got a bit too stuck in, or you know, he was accused of sort of playing that sideways football um by some people on this podcast a few times. Um <laughs> and he was a little bit hot and cold. Um I thought he was excellent. I thought the way as cliches go, we do love a cliche on this podcast. He looked like a sort of ten-year veteran. He looked like he was in his thirties the way he played. Um, he just he he was everywhere you needed him to be. Him just playing his game and sort of getting stuck in and breaking down the play allowed Shackleton and um, um, Honeyman to play Honeyman. their game. And I think I think it's 
he, he'll be that type of player, Mitchell, that at the end of the year, you know, you like it doesn't happen at many other clubs, but you know, you'll have that sort of player who a lot of clubs sort of forget they're there. Um, and when it comes up for player of the year voting, he won't even be considered. But at Millwall, a player like that, if he keeps on like that, a lot of people start thinking it's because we've got these amount of goals because of how Mitchell helps break down the play and play it forward to actually um, to more attacking players has led to goals. Or, you know, other teams haven't attacked as much because Mitchell gets more stuck in and puts more pressure on and puts a good press on. I think he had a great... I think, like Ryan said, I don't think there was many players um, no, you could say no. had a bad game. Um, no, I, I, do, I do slightly um, argue with the Malone argument personally. Um, I, I wouldn't sort of wax as lyrical as you two have about how well he played on Saturday. But again, I wouldn't criticise him either. I thought he played well. But back to Mitchell, he he played a very mature game alongside two players he's only played pre-season with. But it seems like they've played together for years. They look good. Honeyman looks a good player as well, Ron. Yeah, Honeyman looks Honeyman looks really good. I think he's... He's not going to set the world alight, I don't think. I don't think he's going to be like one of the best players we've ever had. But he will definitely, it's his work rate, really, and his it'll be his consistency. He's, you know, yeah. even 7 out of 10 might be a bit harsh. He's probably a 7.5 out of 10 player every week. He's, you know, he's, the fans really like him already running around. But when he, like yesterday was probably the first time we he's played a little bit more advanced. Obviously, he's been playing a bit deeper in pre-season, probably just to get the minutes. But he played kind of as the ten. Um, on on Saturday, and he got on the ball a bit more, started pulling a bit a few more strings, and yeah, looks really lively and really good. And he's he's definitely got that bit of Millwall in him. He's definitely going to be a a bit of a leader on the pitch, and I think that's it's a good role model for for Billy. I think I think going back to Billy, I think last season people forget it was his first kind of full season, and with the injuries and that, he kind of had to keep playing mm. even when he went into bad spells, and that will really that will benefit him a lot this year. And I think Michael nailed it on the head when he said it was about his maturity. But Honeyman is someone who you're bringing someone in who's got that experience, got that maturity and has got the quality. You're bringing, although we've targeted younger players that we're bringing in, younger players with a bit more resale value, Honeyman is definitely a plug and play player. You know, he's entering his peak. He's got, he's been there and done it. He's got that experience and he's got the ability and he's he's just going to fit like a glove at Millwall. You can tell straight away from, from pre-season and then from the first game. He's going to be he's going to be a big player this year. And the thing is, as well, with 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 Honeyman, I find as well sometimes I know when sort of players uh, or when players get released from clubs who go down or have been in league ones, etc. Um, some people do ask questions. You know, if you were that good a defender, uh, we've just signed you from. Um, why did your team go down, etc. But I think with Honeyman, what point I'm trying to make is is because he's played for a hole that sort of went up and down and was near the bottom of the table and was involved in relegation battles. He can, and he was the captain of that side. And you see from the replies he got when he left, they weren't overly uh, chuffed about him going. But you can see if it does start going a bit pear shaped, or if it does start not going the way we want it to, he will be one of the people who get this club by the scruff of the neck and drag him back out, um, and and won't let negative performances affect him. And like you say there, Ryan, spot on. If Billy Mitchell can see that, because um, like you said, Billy, Billy Mitchell, well, yeah, his first full season was last year, so he's only really seen as sort of. Yes, the football may not have been brilliant or entertaining but at times, but we were at the top end of the table last year. If it starts going a bit wrong and Billy Mitchell starts showing a bit of immaturity, that's where Honeyman can put his arm around him and go, look, <laughs> I've been through worse than this, mate. Stick with me and I'll teach you the ropes kind of thing. Really Definitely. nice feeling about the whole side. I mean, I mean, obviously, first game of the season, long, long way to go. I was just listening to 
Gary Rowett on the on the recast interview before, and he made the point we've got a long way to go. But it's a massively strong start. Um, it's just nice to be back at the Den, boys. I mean, it's a great atmosphere on Saturday, and it's just nice to be able to repay that atmosphere with a, with a win and to be able to leave, you know, go 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 on your way home afterwards, um, floating on air slightly after a decent win. So really, really strong start. Achtung, Mailball. Just looking at the London News Online five talking points, listeners, and just to close us out. Um, and I was struck by the fact that only Fulham and Bournemouth, Michael, last season, collected more points at home than Millwall. Um, we're off to a good start now, obviously, with a win at home. But it's going to be the true test is going to come um, away. And then we're, we've got a trip to Sheffield United. It's going to be another big test next next weekend, isn't it? Yeah, no, you're right. It, um, I mean, I saw Gary Rowett's interview, I think it was with the BBC on, after the game when they said, I think Rowett said something like, we won, was it something like 16 at home? We won like a ridiculous We won a lot at home, home last, yeah. Um, but we only won sort of something like nine away. So there you can see where... where That's where it's got to change, isn't it? Yeah. Where it's, yeah, where it's got to change. Whereas a few years ago, I think it was either under Jacket or Harris, we, we couldn't buy a win at home and we were winning well at the time. But yeah, if, if you could get a, a good mix... Of, of turning some of those draws, those away draws to wins. Who's yeah, as we said a while ago, who's to say that we ain't going to uh, be in the reckoning and 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 up there? So I, I, it's very very positive at the moment. I, I think if we play like that Saturday for the majority of the season, there ain't going to be many teams above us. But no. it's, going back to it, it will be the uh, the fitness of the. So what it will be for me with these players is is because I know pre season. They're against lower opposition, but it, apart from the Ipswich game, all I've heard is sort of good things and positive performances. The Stoke game, we beat a side there who before Saturday was quite fancy to go up and sign the likes of Dwight Gow. For me, it will be injuries this season. If we can keep this squad fit as possible, we will be up there. And yeah. I'll tell you what, it, it, like put a pin in this comment I'm making, Nick, timestamp it. If we stay fit, we will be up in that top, top six, top eight. From what I saw on Saturday, mm. it's hard. It's hard. I think with with the the away form, I think you look at the table last year under Rowett. We don't lose a lot of games under Rowett. To be like, you know, and no. we, we just draw too many. We just draw too many. I think people will point to like the defensive football, but it's also been like as much as as it's defending uh, the amount of games where we should have won, like the amount of draws that we should have won just from missing chances. Not necessarily, or not maybe sometimes not creating as many. It's that that has been our problem, and that will. I imagine this year continue to be our problem at times is creating chances. But if we could turn three draws into wins, yeah, or yeah, four we're... draws <clears throat> into wins, yeah. or even lose a couple more but win a couple more, you know, it's it it makes a big difference to your to your season. You know, if you get five draws, you lose two of them but win three of them, you end up with a lot more points. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm hoping that I'm, I'm interested to see how how we go in in those tight games. Obviously. Saturday was a uh, was pretty comfortable, but it'll be interesting to see how in those tight games we go if if Rowett sticks or twists or you know if he if he goes for the win. Now we've got a bit of a deeper squad. Now we've got different options. Obviously, last season it's hard, like you say, with the injuries. It's really hard when you've got such a small squad. It's really hard to ask them to to go again. And we saw that obviously went on that five game winning run. And you're and it, they are gambling and they're going for it and they're putting all their energy. But then that drops off and we lose the next couple. And, and you can see the players are just knackered and it gets one game too many. Mm. But with the deeper squad, with the five subs, can you start changing games? Can you start 
changing things off the bench and and when you need something to go for it you don't necessarily need the players on the pitch who you know are going to start five of the five of the next six games to to pull a, pull it pull their finger out you've got options to come on and, and impact games so it's just you know we've said it since he took over really. it's turning those draws into wins and hopefully we look like we've got the squad depth at the moment to to give that a good go and it will just be yeah keeping them fit making sure players get in the game time they need making sure that there's yeah. good rotation, making sure that everyone's getting in form and keeping in form. And it's, that, that was under some really good stead, I think. Good stuff. Just to close us out, I um, just want to congratulate Aaron, who's now um, on, the, on the TV. He's, he's on the ITV um, highlights show, which goes out on a Saturday night. I think it's, they've got various broadcasts. You can probably get it on the replay ITV hub. Um he couldn't be with us today. He's probably having a glass of uh, martini on a on a yacht somewhere off the coast of uh, <laughs> Saint Tropez or uh, you know Monaco or someplace like that. Um, whilst they they plan their, uh, their, their this week's feature for the for the highlight show, but um, congratulations! He's, he's, he's probably he's probably in his trailer with like a brush all around his face, <laughs> doing his makeup. <laughs> sorry, well, sorry, lads. This this isn't a video platform, is it? So Aaron's very much a, a visual presenter now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Might be. But I, I think I think I think some some viewers who who would have watched the show, some listeners who would have watched the show, I think will agree that he does need to have a word with the production company because from what I understand, Millwall were the last on the highlights package for the championship, yeah, despite well, being the only team to win two 0 And, and we are of top league. of the league, Ryan. As so well. yeah. I do think he might need to to have a word to bump us up the running order. And also to the club shop as well. Um, our good friend Mr. Paul is a fan of a gilet, and he had said gilet on in the in the, uh, in the piece on Saturday. So, <laughs> club shop, if you're listening, Mill Club director, why don't you send a new gilet to Mr. Paul for a little bit of a, a little gilet, bit of a, a proper French pronoun? This is not the mill that I know. It's, it's gillet, gillet, gillet. Women's football and gilets, and also German sausages being swung around outside the ground. Yeah, well done, Mill, yeah. for that as well. Did anyone sample the food? On I the, didn't. Uh, no, did no, you, no. Did you tuck in, Michael? No, I'm not really a German sausage type man, um, Ryan. In truth, <laughs> you, you do surprise me. <laughs> uh, we are huge thank you Michael Lavery and Ryan thanks for joining us chaps cheers Nick and thank you thanks to on. you two dear listeners we'll be back with Cup Football tomorrow we'll be back on Friday with uh, Neil and I doing our something for the weekend preview of that trip to Sheffield United so till then dear listeners Arriva Dirty Millwall and bye for now you have been listening to Achtung Millwall, please do leave us a review at Apple Podcasts. Danke schon. Up the lines. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.